Come on, if you can, if you will, stand on your feet. Let's welcome our guest today for our 151st church anniversary. Come on, let's thank God for Pastor Christopher Moore. Man, you may be seated. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Is there anybody grateful today that you know that the Lord has made a way for you? We are only here because he made a way. I'm a witness because on my fast drive over here from Kelly, I almost thought I was got, about to get pulled over by the cops. But the Lord saw fit to let me get here in time for preaching <laughs> with no delay. So I am grateful to be here today. I want to thank publicly, as I have done privately, a friend and brother that I consider to be one of the clearest voices and most courageous visionaries of our day in the person of your pastor, Dr. D.Z. Cofield. I have such admiration for his preaching prowess and his courage to be a visionary in such perilous times. There's no doubt that the Lord has his hand on this pastor. I consider it a great honor to be here to share with you today in this momentous occasion. Don't know all the ins and outs of how I got here, uh, but that's something that the Lord has already sorted out in heaven. And so when Dr. Cofield asked me to come last night, I quickly gave him a yes said that I would be here to share at the Good Hope Church. You have so much to be grateful for, for 151 years of God's faithfulness through this local congregation. And I'm so grateful to see even now what the Lord has done and what the Lord will do. And I was so encouraged by Pastor Cofield sharing with me the vision that you all have for this coming year and the coming years to dedicate yourselves to not only become disciples, but make more disciples. That's the business that we're in of making disciples and even making more disciples. I'm grateful to have one of the musicians at our church, one of my faithful, faithful members, Brother Jeremiah Mosby, who was here with us today. Thank you so much. I have relatives in this church. I don't see them. Oh, I see Sister Seals out in the, out in the foyer. The Seals family are relatives of mine, such great supporters. Anything that we have, both here in Houston and back home, they always make sure that they support. So I'm grateful for Brother Johnny Seals and Sister Melva Seals and all of friends and family from this church thank you so much I want to point you to Luke chapter 5 Luke chapter 5 verse number 1 
and concluding with verse number 11. Thank you to all of the deacons and associates that have been so nice and hospitable to make sure that we got in safely from the rain. Luke chapter 5, commencing with verse number 1 and concluding with verse number 11. I'm reading from the English Standard Version of God's Word. And when you found it, you can respond by saying, Amen. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. On this 151st church anniversary, this probably seems a little oxymoronic, but I want to encourage you today to leave it all behind. Leave it all behind. Something strange yet profound happens when a lobster grows. There's a transitional period where they shed their old shell as the new one begins to grow. They can't make it without the shell or else they will be torn apart. But as significant as this transition is, it is not always a smooth transition. Because as growth takes place, the lobster sometimes tends to want to hold on to the old shell. As comfortable and as familiar as the old shell may be, the fact remains that first, continuing to attempt to carry the old shell while forming a new one is counterproductive for growth. And number two, the old shell becomes a prison of sort. And then finally, a casket. 
The lobster can reach its full potential only if it leaves the old shell behind. Now, I hope that we don't miss the connection here after being introduced to this analogy because as believers, we are faced with the same decision as the lobster. A new shell is formed at the point of conversion. But true growth does not really occur until we completely leave the old shell behind. And I want to tell you today, church, that before we go too far, one of the major prerequisites of being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ is total sacrifice. Now, this truth perhaps does not come through any more clearly than what it does in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We are not certain that this exchange between Peter and the Lord Jesus Christ is the same exchange that occurs in Matthew 4 and Mark 1. But what we do know is that it is very similar at the least. It happened sometime after the initial encounter between Jesus, Peter, Andrew, James, and John in John chapter 1. Now we must understand that these men had met the Lord before, but they would not wholly and wholeheartedly follow him until they forsook the business of catching fish for the sake of catching men. And it is actually at a point of failure at the lake that sets the stage for the Lord Jesus Christ to teach these disciples in the future that a lesson will change their lives forever. Jesus wants these disciples to stop focusing on a lack of fish and instead focus on following him in order to catch lost men. And his, no, his message back then is no different than what it is now. Because as Peter and the other disciples were called to leave it all behind, so are we. And what the Lord Jesus Christ says to us through this text is that every redeemed believer is called to a life of sacrificial fellowship so that we may bring lost men into sacred fellowship. I think I need to say that one more time, that every redeemed believer is called to a life of sacrificial fellowship so that we may bring lost men into sacred fellowship. Church, really what I'm trying to say today to you on this 151st church anniversary is that we are to seek dying men so that they may know a living Savior. But before we get too excited, I want to ask you this question. And we can't go further until you've determined that you're going to answer it. The question I want to ask you today is, will you leave everything behind in order to bring lost men forward? Now, only you can answer that question. But in the case that this is your determined desire today, you must leave it all behind by following this tried and true path. Here it is. Forsake all, follow him, and fetch the lost. 
But we need to know what this method looks like in practice. And this text today shows us exactly what is required of a committed disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. A committed disciple is one that leaves it all behind and does not waver in these two actions. First of all, if you're going to leave it all behind to follow Jesus, forsake all, and fetch lost men. Here it is in verses 1 through 8. You must submit to the Lord's will. You must submit to the Lord's will. This text opens in verses 1 through 3 with Jesus setting the stage for a threefold affirmation of his mastership. He is master teacher, he is master fisherman, and he is master of all. Now, he displays the attribute of master teacher by turning Simon Peter's boat into a pulpit and then turning nature into a PA system so that his voice projects across the waves and the people in attendance can hear his message. He asked them to push the boat out a little because the people are pressing against him to hear the message and he uses the boat as his lectern and uses nature as a reverberator of sound that allows his voice to project across the waves so that they can hear clearly what he has to say to them. But after he completes his message, he pinpoints Simon Peter and gives a lesson on deep sea fishing. Now what kind of irony is this? Because Jesus is a preacher and a carpenter, not a fisherman. Now, and he at least proves initially that he's not a fisherman by offering strange instructions. Because it's well known that the most productive time for fishing was at nighttime in the shallow water, not the daytime in deep water. But when has God ever needed ideal conditions to do incredible things? I'm looking at some people out here that can look back at me and testify. Brother Pastor, I know that the Lord does not always do conventional things. I know that sometimes he goes against the grain. Yes, I know that sometimes he does stuff that is out of routine, that is out of the realm of possibility. Because if you know your Bible, you know that Jesus doesn't need ideal conditions to do incredible things because he only needed two sardines and five barley biscuits to provide a buffet for tens of thousands of people. He only needed spittle and clay to cure blindness that no optometrist had been able to replicate to this day. He only needed to be at the right time and at the right place to cure a woman with an incurable blood disease. Let me tell you today, you ought to be grateful today that the Lord always has a tendency to go the unconventional route to do 
do some things that absolutely make no sense to us. And is there anybody in here today that can lift up their hands and open up their mouths and can say, while I'm trying to scratch my head, while I'm trying to figure it out, while I'm at my wit's end, God is a master teacher. He is a master fisherman. And he is the master of all. And he's already got it figured out. And so the Lord tells Peter when he saw the two boats by the lake and the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, told him to put the boat a little out from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And this is Simon's response. Master, we've toiled all night and we ain't catch a thing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Now, you know what? I want to compliment Simon here for actually not talking too much for once. You know, Peter had the tendency to say the wrong stuff at the wrong time. And in this one instance, he actually says just enough to let us know that he's intelligent enough to let the Lord do his thing. So the Lord instructs Peter to cast out his net into deep water. And Peter does so by taking the Lord at his word. But he says, Lord, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. Lord, we don't have anything to show for our labor. We're tired. And the area that we are most skilled in is the area that we're failing the most. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been a place in your life and ministry where even your best wasn't good enough? Have you ever worked as hard as you thought that you possibly could and still caught nothing? And God has the nerve that after your ability has fallen short. He says to you, I know this doesn't make sense, but do this. You, you want to know what is happening when God moves in this manner? God is teaching you a lesson in submission by disrupting your comfort so that you can have the capacity to mature to a place in your spiritual walk where you can say, God, I know this does not make sense, but nevertheless, I will take you at your word. I want to tell you this, church, that when you reach this point where you can tell the Lord, Nevertheless, your experience and your skill may be taken away, 
But you know what? You will be better equipped to trust in the sovereignty of God only. I don't know if I'm by myself or not, but I'm a control freak. I like for things to go my way at the time I want them to go, how I want them to go. And Chuck Swindoll once said in chapel that the problem with a lot of us in ministry is that we know how to do it. We master going to church, 10 o'clock on the dot, Bible study on Wednesday. We've mastered knowing all four verses of Amazing Grace. We've read the Bible from pillar to pillar, from cover to cover multiple times. We know when to say amen. We know when to clap. When We know to shout. We know when to jump. We know when to celebrate. But sometimes in life, God takes away all of our skill to let us know that you are not in charge of anything. And I don't know who I'm talking to in here today, but the only reason that I'm preaching today is because God has made the difference. The only reason that you're in worship today is because God has made the difference. The only reason that this church is still standing the way that it is and going to higher heights and deeper, deeper depth is because God has made the difference. Is there anybody in here today that can lift up their hands and open up your mouths and say, everything I am, God made me. Everything I know, God taught me. Everywhere I've been, God brought me. And there have been some times where my best just wasn't good enough but God showed me that he was still in control is there anybody in here today that's ever had more month than money is there anybody out there today that didn't know if you were going to be able to go back to school the next semester is there anybody out there today that has wondered what the doctor's report was going to look like is there anybody out there today that didn't know what the loan decision was going to look like but when you took God at his word in the place that you failed was the place that he showed you his power. I want to tell somebody today the place that you have suffered your greatest failure could be the very place where God wants to show you your greatest victory. Friends, what God, what we see as a dead end, God sees as an expressway. What we see as a wilderness, God sees as a Red Sea. What we see as a stoplight, God sees as a green light. And the place where you are right now, I know it doesn't seem like much, but this could be the very place where God is just waiting on you to say, Lord, nevertheless, at your word, I trust you. And look what happened. When the Lord takes Peter, when Peter takes the Lord at his word, 
Look what happens in the text. And when they had done this, verse 6, they enclosed a large number of fish that their nets started breaking. Then they had to get some help from their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they filled up all of those boats. And there was so many fish in the nets, in those boats, that the boats began to sink. If you remember back in this text, it says that when Jesus found them, they were cleaning their nets. Now, I'm going to help somebody with this. I have found that it is difficult to catch fish with dirty nets. It's difficult to bring anybody to Christ and all they see in you is a dirty attitude. A dirty disposition. You trying to bring somebody to a Christ that is not being reflected in your life. And if we cleaned up our nets, perhaps we'd have a bigger catch. And so they have cleaned their nets so that they can catch more fish. And when they catch the fish after they have cleaned their nets, the boat nearly sinks because of all of the fish. I want to tell you, God is ready to astonish you, good hope, with not only the 10,000. He's wanting to astonish you to go above the 10,000. And it's not until we get out of the way that God can have his way. I, I, I hear you, I hear you. 10,000 is too many people. We don't want all them people in our church. I don't want to go to them places. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to deal with them. But who poured into you when you were at your lowest? And this is where we are convicted to submit to the Lord's will. Because verse 8 says that Peter sees the Lord at work during a miracle. But more importantly, he sees the message within the miracle. And this is what Peter discovers, church, is that a sovereign Lord always exposes the depravity of mankind. You know what, church? Through the greatness of Jesus, we see better how woeful, how ill-prepared, and how limited we really are. And it's not until we admit how righteous Jesus is that we can admit how wrong we are. Until we have an Isaiah 6 and 8 moment where we literally say, Lord, here I am, send me. But I realize, Lord, I'm a man of clean, unclean lips. I'm wicked, I'm woeful, 
I'm jacked up. But Lord, you were the one who can take somebody like me and use me to do some righteous works for you. Friends, you got to learn how to submit to the Lord's way, but you can't submit to his will until you admit who he is and who we are not. We got to submit to the Lord's will, but not only must we leave it all behind by submitting to his will, we got to leave it all behind by sacrificing for the Lord's way. It's here in verses 9 through 11. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Now, church, it gets good right here. Because while the entire multitude is spellbound by this catch of fish, while they are counting fish, Jesus is counting on these fishermen to shut down their business after the best day in their history. Look what happens, church. He retires them from one job and immediately hires them for another job because they are no longer in the business of catching live fish only for them to die for the sake of consumption now they are catching dead men so that they will be made alive at the point of conversion he fires them from fishing for fish. He hires them so that they will fish men. Friends, I want to tell you this. God disrupts our comfort so that he can better define our purpose. Look what happens. These fishermen are in a rare crowd that gets demoted and promote it at the same time. They are aware that they will never probably be compensated as they would have for turning in a haul of fish like this. But this is what they're certain of, that the benefits for catching men is better than the salary of catching fish. Friends, I don't care what you do for the Lord, no matter how little or insignificant you may think that it is, payday is coming after a while. And this is the good news. The benefits package of the believer is out of this world. These men sacrifice to follow Jesus. Look what they do. They leave their boats. They leave their equipment. They leave 
their fish behind because outside of Jesus, every other tie and connection that they have is secondary. Let me ask you the question. As it relates to Jesus and making disciples, is that primary in your life? Or have you placed something else before his great commission? Had an opportunity just a couple of weeks ago to do some mission work in Nassau, Bahamas with a group of high school students. And I was having a conversation with one of those students on the bus when we were coming back from one of our sightseeing tours. And he told me, Mr. Moore, the thing that I've learned most about this trip is to be more grateful for what I have back here in the United States. But then he said something else that blew me away. He says, Mr. Moore, you know what I've discovered? You told us the other night that we had an opportunity that many people don't either have or are unwilling to take. We are literally living in the footsteps of Jesus because we are honoring the last command that he gave before he ascended to the Father. He told us to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I want to ask you the question, are you that concerned about your humanity? about fellow man beside you, those you know, those you don't know, that you would be willing to take the gospel to them so their lives can be changed like your life has been changed. Vance Havner put it like this. We have suffered from the preaching of cheap grace. Grace is free but it's not cheap. People will take anything that is free, but they're not interested in discipleship. But you can't honestly take Jesus as Savior, but then deny him as Lord. And I'm afraid there are a whole lot of people like Eric Geiger stated once. There are many people who say that they want to be the hands and feet of Jesus but they don't actually want to go through what the hands and feet of Jesus went through. Friends, God must be Lord of all. No questions asked. And what better opportunity do you have today on this 151st anniversary to make that pronounced stance against the devil and follow the Lord forevermore? Leave it all behind. And I want to tell you this as I quit. That leaving it all behind to follow Jesus may not be comfortable. But for the kingdom's sake, it's essential. I want to tell you today that you ought to leave this place motivated to go tell somebody about the Lord who saved you. Because at the end of the day, you, I, we are no better than what they are. The same mercy 
that was extended to us is the same mercy that they need. And how dare we sit on the testimony that rings forth from our flawed lives and act like we are so much better that we can't share it with somebody else. I want to encourage you today, good hope. Take the time this week to pour into somebody. Maybe somebody younger, maybe somebody older, maybe someone who is your age. Let them know just how good God has been to you. Tell them your story. Let them know how the Lord made you, how the Lord saved you, how he picked you up, how he turned you around, how he made you whole, how he rescued you from the darkness, how he's turned your life around. Share Jesus now. But in order to do that, we got to make a decision to follow Jesus. Well over 150 years ago, there was a great revival in Wales, England. And as a result of this, many missionaries came from England and Germany to northeast India to spread the gospel. And at the time, northeast India was not divided as it is today. This region was comprised of hundreds of tribes. Naturally, a lot of those people were not welcomed. But there was one unknown Welsh missionary who succeeded converting a man, a wife, and his two children. And this man's faith proved contagious and many villagers began to accept Christianity. But as you know, every time there is an advancement, there is always some opposition. And this angry village chief summoned all of the villagers to come against this man who was converting lost men and women to Christianity. And he called this family and said that if you don't renounce your faith, he said, you're going to have to face execution. And this man said, listen, the Lord's done too much for me. The Lord's brought me too far. The Lord's allowed me to make too much of an impact with just this wife, this husband, and this family. And the Holy Spirit moved upon this man to go write a hymn that goes just like this, that I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I've got the world behind me, and, and I've got the cross before me. Uh, no turning back. Uh, no turning back. Is there anybody in here that can lift up their hands and can open up their mouth and can testify that the Lord has opened up too many doors for me, that the Lord has made too many ways for me, that the Lord has fought too many battles for me to sit here yeah, like he ain't done nothing for me because when I look back over my life and see all that he's done for me I've got to do just like the Bible says I am redeemed 
around and I've got to say something. Is there anybody here that can open up their mouth and can say, Lord, we've come this far by faith. We've not made it all by ourselves. We've not made it because we've been so good. We've not made it because we've crossed every T and dotted every I. Listen, I've messed up my first chance. I've messed up my second chance. I've messed up my third chance. I messed up my hundred chance. But the Lord gave me another chance. Is there anybody here that can lift up their hands and can open up their mouth and can say, thank God that you've used me in spite of me. Listen, I've got to quit, but my soul is happy. Listen, I've got to get out of the way, but I've got to ask you a few questions. The first question is, do you know him? The second question is, have you tried him? The third question is, ain't he all right? If you know he's all right, why don't you say yes? Yes, yes. The last thing I want to tell you, if you don't know what following to the very end looks like, then you ought to look at the life of Jesus who shows us that the only way up is to go down because Philippians says that Jesus thought it not robbery to be equal with God but laid down the glory of heaven put on flesh came as a man and died he went up to a hill called Calvary but he went down into the grave saved Friday night saved all day Saturday and all night Saturday night but early Sunday morning he stepped out on resurrection ground and said I've got all power in my hands why don't you look at your neighbor and tell them neighbor I don't know how you feel about him but the Lord is worthy of my service he's worthy of my devotion he's worthy of my worship if you know he's worthy they ought to hear you out on McGregor you ought to open up your mouth if you know he's made a way if you know he's kept you if you know he's protected you if you know he's brought you, if you know he's lifted you, if you know he saved you, if you know he kept you, 
why don't you bless him like you know what he's done open up your mouth and bless his name yes to your will yes to your way yes i'll serve him i will obey Yes. Ah, yes, 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 you don't know, listen, I'm done preaching, I, I just want to celebrate, you don't know, like I know, what the Lord has done for me. Praise Him. Bless Him. Ain't He worthy? Come on, you don't play with it. Ain't He worthy? If you know He's worthy, bless Him. If it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, tell me, where would I be? 